The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Today's message is, I believe, number 45 in our series. The title of our message today is The Social Area of Life. And under that series, we're doing a mini-series on the spiritual gifts. And uh, we're going to be talking about one of the aspects of the fruit under the social area of life when it comes to discussing a couple more of the occupational gifts that have been given to us as indwell believers. Roughly, let's do a little review here. Roughly, how many occupational gifts are there? That's true. 8 to 11. All right? What is the difference between occupational gift and manifestation gifts? Okay, so the occupational gifts is the brand new car. And it's sitting out front running. The manifestation gifts is the Holy Spirit crawling inside this occupation and driving it. And you're the seats. You're the stuff on the inside of this vehicle. You're what makes up this shell of occupation. Occupation is what you should be doing as an occupation day after day after day. Okay, something else we've been talking about through every single gift that we have been talking about, and that's the liabilities. Someone give me an example of a liability, for example, of teacher. It's a very common gift that a lot of Christians use. What would be a liability of that? Very good. The way you, you should take every single occupational gift is go to the slap silly opposite. Teacher can't be taught. Prophet can't be prophesied. You see? Pastor can't be pastored. That's how it works. The legacy in that casket is truly based on either liability or manifestation. And that's why I wanted to tell you a little story of death today. This is what determines it. And I know some of our, no, excuse me, I know that most of our listeners are going to blow me off today. It's too much to think about to know that you might have the gift of teaching, some of you precious pastors that I'm dealing with over in Africa, but you can't be taught. You're unteachable. Some of you prophets that are running around over there and you're going village after village giving these prophecies that God have given to you, but I'm giving you a prophecy and you can't be prophesied. 
or on and on and on. Every one of us needs to carefully consider that today as we're listening. Here's our paragraph to get things going today. If we expect God to use us, he will be ready and willing to do so. God knows who needs ministry and whom he needs to use to get the job done. Do you understand, and some of our pastors and leaders are so used to functioning like this, you guys are going to know exactly what I'm saying as soon as I say this. There's going to be some of you that are listening that you're not going to get it. Here's the deal. The Spirit of the living God can tell me the number one issue every one of you are struggling with that are here this morning. I can rattle it off that fast. The number one thing you're warring with. Because that's the Spirit. That's how the Spirit functions. The Spirit is constantly searching a room. The Spirit is constantly trying to discover what's really going on. Someone please look up for me 1 Corinthians. It might even be 2 Corinthians. I always get it confused. Chapter... It's the passage, John, when Paul talks about, For I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and am crucified. He goes, is it two? First Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, I want someone to read that passage for us. Starting at verse 1. Okay, now, there's an, a, a, a leader who is known in the demonic world. Remember the demon that said, I know Jesus Christ and I know Paul, but who are you? To be known in the demonic world is a critical piece of ministry, because that is who we're fighting, is the demonic It is who's going to get the final credit in that casket. The very life of Christ or the demonic. That's the war we are dealing with. So here Paul is admitting, hey, I went from being the best of the best to being a guy that can hardly speak properly. He doesn't have superior speech anymore. He's kind of a nobody. In fact, that's what he called himself. Hated by so many people. Because he had been dumbed down to the simplicity of saying, For I determined to know nothing about your books and your education and your, your, your forms of idolatry. And your, I determined to know none of that except for Jesus Christ and the fact that he was crucified. Supremacy of Christ. Period. So go on. What else does he say? But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So, here we go. 
God knows who needs ministry and whom he needs to use to get the job done. When you're in line with the above three items, God is bound to use you. It's important not to set standards on God. Be careful not to tell God how uh, you want to be used and what gifts you want him to put in you. Here's the deal. We want to take this very precious gift that is given to us and we want to walk it over into an arena that we're most comfortable with and force this round, precious round object into a square peg hole. We want to put our spiritual gifting inside of a secular usage, which creates emergence, lukewarm. So this is important because Paul's about to reveal to us how this is done. And if this is not done with all three pieces lining up together, it's not going to happen in you. You're going to continue to sign Jesus Christ's name to stuff, just like this female pastor did in this email to me. Continue to sign Jesus Christ's name to things that do not exist. And you'll ask yourself until the day you're dead. Did I really make use of the spiritual gifting in me? The answer is no. Unless the gifts are occupation to you. I don't know how else to say it. God is not interested in advancing the world. God is interested in advancing the kingdom of God for eternal weight of glory. So, Jess, continue to read on. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. And that's why the exchange life for Christ in you is classified by Paul as a mystery. We are speaking of a mystery that most people just don't get. Christ in you. Paul is clearly showing us how the exchange life works in this passage. He goes on to tell us. Okay, so for to us, God revealed them. Could you tell me if the them is put in uh, italics? italics? Yes, it is. Okay. Do you know what that means? It means you can put in any person's name that is standing in front of you. The them, anytime there's a talic, you can replace the names, the pronouns, to be anyone. So for God revealed the person in front of you, every single person in this room is in front of me. For God revealed them, 
How did he reveal them, Jess? So here it is. The Spirit of God is searching Ian's mind. Just searching, searching. I am a vessel that's ready and willing to hear God and, and make use of his spiritual gift inside me to get her done. So now the Spirit is, the Spirit is searching his mind. The scriptures being spoken to me in regard to the them. And then how's it done? For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Which tells us that we can't be fortune tellers and I can't read his mind. But the spirit searches his mind. Okay, continue. Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. So the spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God is the one who searches the minds. Where's the spirit of God live? In us. So the spirit of God is searching your mind and revealing things to me because I'm in high gear. Every indwell believer has this ability. But they don't use it. And the reason why they don't use it is because the fear of the unknown is a big problem with Christians allowing God to function in them this way. Paul's revealing to us a mystery of how this is done. The Spirit is searching Ian's mind. And then the next verse we're going to hear something very powerful and it says, Jess. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So here you go. This is as profound as the in the core of the profound mysteries you're going to get. For you do not have the spirit who is of these educational philosophies, which is what he spoke about four verses ago. For you have the spirit of the living God living inside you. And how does this happen, folks? It's through spiritual thoughts that become spiritual words. So Christ reveals, he just scanned Ian's mind, reveals in my mind, and they become spiritual words, and I began to speak and minister to you in areas that you think I read your emails. And that scares the daylights out of people, because it sounds like some mystic sorcery. <laughs> it's not. It's needed for ministry. So what the people do who's listening, they, they're listening. Since they don't understand this great mystery, they're listening they're going, what proof do you have of this? How do you know that's true about me? You just read it. But see, we humanize the wisdom of God. It has no human logic to it. It has no human definitions. It is of the mind of God. Nobody understands that mind. Unless the Spirit makes it known. You just read the absolute critical flow of Christ in you using the spiritual gifts within you. 
to get the job done. So I believe that 90% of the listeners today are going to go back to your secular jobs, stuffing the occupation of God inside that secular earth suit, that secular position, and sign Jesus Christ's name to it, and think God is going to bless everything you do in that job. This is what it's going to turn out like. God is interested in advancing the kingdom of God. Period. He's only got a small, small caravan of workers. He he does not have the majority. I'm, I'm a, I hate to say this, but God knows it's true, of course, that Satan's already won the, the numbers game. When you compare to the numbers that are reserved for hell, they're in Hades right now, versus the ones that are in heaven, he wins. Hands down, he wins. He's got the numbers to prove it. So to understand that 90% of the people listening to such a hard message of truth of what's your occupation... 90% are going to stuff God's occupation inside a secular human suit and sign Jesus Christ's name to it. That's how emergence is born. That's how it happens. She's taking her passions, her love, and her desire of things she doesn't want to give up, and she has wrapped it in the arms of Jesus. When Jesus' arms aren't anywhere close to being around it. So it has to create a speculation. An illusion. A graven image. Idolatry. A statue that's not even moving. So they've got to move the lips for the statue. Like Jesus is in it for some reason. He's not even around it. Now let's take a look at the gift of... Someone who supposedly has the gift of pastorate. Here it is from the Hebrew. Primitive root. To tend a flock that is pastorate. And if you could just imagine David being out in the field. Watching a flock. And anything that you could possibly think of of a shepherd. Is the Hebrew word picture. Of a pastor. In fact, even the term pastor and pasture have the same root words. Which is obviously why it shows up in our definition. So, companionship or keeping company or, or to devour the, the, you know, when David killed the lion and ripped the... Didn't he rip the jaw out of the lion too? Or is that someone else I'm thinking of? The shepherd is not passive. The shepherd is very active in whatever's got to be done to protect those sheep. Kill the wolves, kill the lions. Get her done to protect the flock. Okay? Friendship is a huge deal with shepherds. I mean, to have those sheep feel like that, my shepherd is my friend, my shepherd is my boss, my shepherd is my, my 
supervisor, my shepherd is my guide, my all these things that show up under a shepherd, kind of critical. Who was at Jesus' birth? Who did God reveal himself to about the birth of his own son? Do you know how proud human men are when their son is born? And, you know, they hand out cigars, it's a boy, or whatever the case may be. God had this moment. There's only one being that has the right to be proud. It's God. And he made this announcement to just simply two groups. Who were they? Shepherds and magicians. Magicians, sorcerers. Astrologist. Now, let's go back to our passage. What are the two groups that, that Paul is addressing here? The Magi, wisdom of man, and the ages, and Spirit of Christ in you, revealing the thoughts of God, which scans the thoughts of man and gives it to you freely. So you can have spiritual thoughts to have spiritual words. It's a shepherd. They just know. Who was David working for? And spiritualize it and say God, but... Jesse. Where were his brothers? Yeah, they were out trying to be warriors and, and do all these masculine things to conquer and whatever. And how was that story turning out? Not very well. Not very well. They're all becoming failures because they're proving themselves in masculinity not through pastoralship, but through skilled, using your hands. It's not the solution. David knew that. See, shepherds understand, understand why you need to prepare the sheep and sheep need to be led to water. Sheep need to be led to food. Sheep need to be led to staying close in a herd. Sheep need to be led. Whereas the warrior thinking is conqueror, I'm like a goat, to be honest with you. So now let's take a look at what a non-yielding pastor looks like. Instead of gathering the sheep, they're scattering the sheep. So they scatter a flock, let the people stray, refuse friendship, let people be devoured by the enemy, or refuse to prune the people of God. Shearing the sheep, buzzing them down, is the pruning process. Right? To take the wool and give it away to clothe the needy. That's kind of the point of a sheep. Unless you're going to slaughter them and take a leg of lamb and feed someone. But outside of that, that's the point of sheep. Is you feed them and they produce wool and you pull them together and you shear them and then you give the wool to clothe the needy. Kind of a simple plan, if you ask me. 
They just lay their head in the shepherd's lap. The other gift I want to bring out today is service. Which from the Hebrew it means work of any any kind, act, bondage, bond servant, effect, labor, ministering, office. Basically any way that you would support an office of function. So you ladies are serving your husbands or you're serving your bosses or you are supporting the office. Not necessarily the person. It can be the person, but it's the office. Jesus Christ holds the office of husband. So we are, as the bride of Christ, to serve him to support his office because his father gave him that office to lead. As Christ is head of the church, so man is head of his family. You see, the parallel there is about office, not necessarily the person. If you focus on serving the person, then your mind's going to get all bunched up because you'll see their flaws and how in the world can I, you know, whatever. Now, if service is used in a non-yielding fashion, it says this, serving oneself, a workaholic, bondage to self, laborer to get acceptance, people-pleasing, enjoying positions, and serves to be noticed. That's someone who has a service occupational gift, using it, not yielded to Christ, but yielded to the enemy. So let's take a look at pastor again. Here's our definition of pastoring. The Christian blessed with the gift of pastoring has a God-given ability to provide long-term care for the body members within the flock assigned to him or her by God. Can a woman. Now here is our example today of a female pastor. Can a woman have the occupational gift of pastoring? A question asked of me this week. Yeah. The, the term mothering from the Hebrew is the closest word used for Greek word pastor. Getting all the little hens together. Chickadees. Chickies. So when you have a husband, for example, who is a leader, and you have mom who is keeping the chicks together, it's for the purpose of providing safety for the chicks and also for their leader to do something with these chicks. Right? So yes, women can definitely have, and oftentimes do, have the gift of pastoring. Purpose. The purpose of a pastor is to keep the flock unified with Christ and each other, basically, as well as the entire body of Christ. They're just compelled to do that. Characteristics is that a person is known by the world as reverend, minister, rector, parson, preacher, None of these words really clearly communicate the gift of pastoring. 
Because each of those, if you take reverent, for example, humans should never be associated with that title. Reverend, if you actually look it up, is superior as a godhead. Only God is a reverend. But yes, we use them. Like at the last funeral I did, the funeral director says, now Reverend Dr. Stephen Finney is going to be present. I'm like, because I hear reverend, I go, godhead. No, I'm not godshipping this title. You take a look at minister. That's, that's pretty close because the term ministry is used for us. Our ministry is what again? There's only one mention. Ministry of Reconciliation. Rector is more British. And that's kind of like a reverend. It's more of a priest. Parson is early American. Still British, but there none really quite covers it like a shepherd, a pastor. That's the best way to describe it. The word pastor comes from the animal kingdom, particularly sheep raising. That's kind of a duh. Contrary to popular opinion, pastors are not always gifted teachers, preachers, and communicators. Someone please tell me why we associate pastors with, with having gifting of teaching, preaching. There's a difference, by the way. Why do we do that? Why do we put pastors and automatically attach those gifts to the pastor? Because in America, <clears throat> these circuit preachers would move around from community to community they would have to do everything. They would have to apostle eyes. They would have to preach. They would, preaching is more prophetic. They would have to teach. It's more the details of what the prophet says, bringing them into practical reality. So they had to do all that. So the pastor of such and such a church was known for being all the above. Facts are, people with pastoring rarely are comfortable in the pulpit. They would prefer to be in the group. They would prefer to be running small groups. They would prefer to be doing stuff that keeps the flock together. So that the preacher who's going to do preaching on Sunday, or if a teacher stands up that does some teaching on Sunday... Mama Hen gets all the chickies together so that the rooster can do his thing. That's how it's supposed to work. But we put everything onto the pastor and it basically started dissolving the institution of the church in America. This gift is obvious in those who really enjoy leading and caring for the needs of others. They are compelled to do it. Here's their liabilities. Number one, the pastor is is not to do everything, but just as I shared with you earlier, that's what we tend to put on the pastor because of what reason? No one else to do it? No one else to do it, but that's 
And the big one is, we pay you to do this. As soon as you start paying someone, everyone else goes, well, that's what they're paid to do. Payment in ministry is totally messed up ministry. And it's the number one thing that, that, that is taken into consideration is that I first have to go get a degree so that when I go to an interview in a church, they look at the degree, where I got the degree from, who were the theologians that influenced me so that the church can make a decision if I'm going to pay you to minister in our fellowship. There was a church here locally that offered me $109,000 a year. $109,000 a year to be the executive pastor of the largest church in Kansas. $109,000, and they said, plus you'll have bonuses every year. I said, well, how do I get bonuses? Well, it kind of depends on how well you lead our flock. But you know what? Their system that is put together was really the most appropriate I've seen. Because the guy in the pulpit is not their pastor. The community refers to him as their pastor. He is a preacher. And has been from the beginning. And the men that they put up around him have all these giftings. So their system really is what attracted me to at least review this process. Okay, liability number two, when a pastor is walking after the flesh, he will have the tendency to become too intense, insensitive, over-concerned, noisy, controlling, and even will have slight traits of a dictator. Because so much is put on them, you mix all those roles in together, and that's basically what you're going to suffer with in the liabilities. Three, pastor can assume too much responsibility. That's almost a given. Number four, Jesus is the master shepherd. So he's the senior pastor inside the believer. And it's Jesus who should be pastoring the flock through them. Places of service is teaching pastor. Uh, discipleship coordinator, pastoral leadership, visitation, supplemental food program, counselor slash discipler, or small group leader. Now looking at the service person, the definition is the Christian blessed with the gift of service helps identify the unmet needs of basically the body of Christ around you and is able to deliver those needs over to the leadership team they look at who needs the wool and determines who's going to be clothed, who's going to be fed, who's going to be whatever. Okay? Purpose of the service person is to assist other Christians in the areas that they are weak or they are unable to help themselves. Characteristics. The literal Greek translation for the word service is ministry. And I find that very, very interesting. So you want to pick someone who understands ministry? You understand a service person. Because they understand. They are showing ministry. They don't even have to be taught. They don't need to go through seminars and training. They are demonstrating ministry by having this gift. 
Because it is the definition. To look at the literal interpretation of the Greek word, minister or servant, we find Bible words that associate itself with deacon. Deacon and elders is different. There are denominations that pull the two together. Bad choice. Deacon is the service person who demonstrates ministry. Elder is the preacher and teachers who pour themselves into what has been gathered around that service table. Deacons pull people together around the table so the preacher or teacher can come in and minister to them. Jesus versus the disciples. These individuals normally like being behind the scenes. If you put them out front, sometimes their service can become awkward for them. The gift of service is essential for the completion of the body of Christ. In fact, it's impossible to complete the body of Christ in an earthly fashion without the service people. Liabilities, number one, the person of the gift of ministry or service often feels abused or taken advantage of. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, from my, from my position, it's easy to abuse service people. Because they're always available. I got to tell myself all the time to be careful about overusing Shannon. Because he's, he's just so service minded that it's just when I think I need help from someone, I, I call Shannon. Because he'll say yes. <laughs> and he'll minister to me in that. See, so see? It's an easy one for them to fall into. <clears throat> Number two, people with this gift need to delegate more. And particularly delegate to other service people. Three, burnout is their greatest threat. They do tend to burn out, become weak, feel exhausted, and oftentimes start suffering with physical illnesses because their bodies are communicated to them, number three. Places of service for them are deacons, facility manager, food service, nursery, usher, office worker, secretary, any form of volunteer. They just love to death. Here's our identity statement for today, folks. Jesus Christ is the great and perfect pastor and person of service. Those who attempt to function in these gifts without yielding to the indwelling life of Christ and leadership of the church are quick to lead and serve the body of Christ to advance their own position. I personally believe that the worst thing that you can do is to take other spiritual gifts, pay the pastor to carry those spiritual gifts like luggage draped over their shoulders because you pay him to do it. A lot of mid-sized churches are stuck in that. Well, we pay you, pastor, to do that. Do you imagine how well cared for they would feel by an exchange life pastor? But the way to destroy him is to burden him with 
pigeonholed occupational gifts that he's not good at. So what's once with a thriving church can die very quickly. That's how Satan does it. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.